Welcome to the Peaceful Life Podcast. This is your host, Laura, coming to you from a cottage in the woods in the peaceful mountains of California. You might have noticed that there was no episode last week, and even though I said this show might not drop on a regular basis, I've pretty much kept to a weekly schedule, releasing at least one episode per week on Sundays. For the last several weeks, though, I've been severely stressed out, and Laura doesn't thrive in a stressed life. Laura strives in a peaceful life. So I took a step back and I thought, one, I need to figure out how I got here, and two, how can I fix it? I found that I was way overextended in terms of my schedule. I was taking three to four clients on at a time in my day job, I volunteer for many organizations, and I host two regular podcasts. I took on a fourth animal in my home, and this kitten is nuts. He constantly runs around like a toddler. My other cat got sick. I agreed to do a presentation on marketing. The list goes on and on. Too, too much. So I promised myself I would release two things from my schedule, just two, and don't worry, it's not the Peaceful Life podcast. This means too much to me, and I'm committed to it. I also decided to take five days off. No work, minimal social media. My baby sister was coming to visit, and that was a good excuse to just back off. I needed to simplify my schedule as I've simplified my life. Remember that episode way back at the beginning? I talk about simplifying your home and releasing all the unnecessary tangible objects that you have and how that makes you feel happier and more peaceful. Well, we have to do that with our time as well. We can't go, go, go and not breathe, not take time for ourselves. By the time you feel overloaded and stressed, it might be too late. During this time of reckoning, I happened to listen to a podcast interviewing Greg McEwen, who wrote a book called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Doing Less. And I've not read the book, another to-do on my list, but I did get a lot out of the interview and some subsequent articles I read about his philosophy, and I'll share it with you. First and foremost, he says that we human beings have a problem with saying no. It's ingrained in our culture to want to accommodate. And I think that's especially true with women. We're worried that if we say no or decline something, that we'll be thought of as a bitch. Whereas men must be just busy or taking control. But that's not fair. Women have the right to say no when we want to. I mean, that's exactly what the whole Me Too movement is about, right? Saying no to an event, gathering, or meeting might cause us FOMO, fear of missing out, or might make you anxious that they'll talk about you or you won't be a part of that particular group anymore. But you can just let that go. What if is a dangerous mental game that we play with ourselves? Just let it be and enjoy the time you saved. At each request, 
weigh your options. Even last night, I was invited out with friends, and I really wanted to end the week peacefully since I had just had a guest. I stayed in, cooked for myself, and finished my Jack Ryan binge. I'm glad I said no, because I really needed that time to myself. Release the fallacy that being busy means important. In fact, there's no such thing as being important. Being successful means being in total control and management of your own life and living it the way you want to, not how others expect of you. Essentialism is discovering what is most essential to you in your own life and finding out what you value. So back to saying no. The first thing they teach you in self-defense class is to say no loudly and with authority. Try it in the mirror. No. Show your power. Now, you don't have to scream at your friends or coworkers, obviously, but teach yourself how to say no with confidence and how to stick to it. If it helps, say no thank you. That's especially disconcerting when someone has asked you for a favor. Will you help me pass out flyers for the bake sale? No thank you. I don't have the time. It's a thank you for asking instead of a sorry I can't do it. Other responses can be, my workload is heavy this week. No, I've got plans. You don't owe anyone an explanation or why. It's your schedule and your life. Saying no is ultimately very freeing and empowering. As you know, I live in a place where 6 million people visit each year, and I have lots of friends and family who want to visit. Several of them, though, don't ask. They tell me, like, we're planning on coming to visit you the weekend of, and I used to just say yes, because I was happy somebody wanted to come visit and spend time with me. But last year when someone did that, I said no. My house was on the market. I was in the middle of packing and moving. It was not a good time. But she didn't listen. She booked the tickets. I decided to keep my resolve, and I kept saying no. Well, how about if we stay in a hotel? I said, okay, but I can't see you. As I said, this is a really busy time for me. She kept pushing. Well, will you at least meet us for dinner? No. It was really important for me to set and keep this boundary. If I had said yes to even dinner, that meant that this person had bullied me out of my original no. Another reason our schedule can get packed really quickly is that we tend to underestimate how much time a task will take us. For example, someone asked on a podcast group, how long does it take you to do one show from start to finish? So I started adding it up and I was flabbergasted. My original estimate was about two hours, but here's my accounting of it. One to two hours to create the outline and talking points, 45 minutes to set up and record, one to two hours to edit the audio file, more if there's a guest, 
one hour to make the graphics and upload the sound file, one hour to create the email and send it to my listeners, letting them know about the new episode. And that adds up to about six to eight hours a week. Did I know when I started this project that each episode would take me six to eight hours to produce? No. We all tend to underestimate the time that it will take us for each commitment. So keep that in mind. Imagine this. Your kid wants to be on a soccer team. You think that's great for my child. Builds confidence, teamwork. But then you're driving them to and from practice. And then to and from games on weekends. Maybe another parent wants you to just take their kid too. So now you're committed to that and you can't bail anytime because of that other kid. Now, can you help with the team fundraiser? Just pass out flyers, bake cookies, man the table in front of the grocery store for just the morning or maybe part of the afternoon? Can you help iron the uniforms, be an escort on that away game? See how one small commitment can add up? And if you're like me and have a reputation for getting things done, more people are going to want you on their committee, team, pack to get things done. And then you're like me and overcommitted and stressed. The other thing I tend to do is acquire projects. I'm a mid-century modern enthusiast, and I found a small, cool table from that genre in a yard sale this weekend. Ten dollars. What a steal. It's worth a hundred dollars refinished. I got so excited, I bought it. But I didn't just buy a table. I bought a project. I bought an obligation to spend maybe five to eight hours working on it whenever that happens. So although I enjoy doing that, it also just added to my schedule. See how easy that was? So I've begun to embrace my no again. Stop and evaluate each task I want to take on, whether it's an invite or a project or a client. Take your time. Tell people, let me get back to you on that if you don't want to say no to their face. Here's a tip. It's a lot easier to say no over email. And guess what? You don't even have to explain why. You don't have to reply. Don't let people talk you out of your nose or make you explain. You don't have to even answer. Practice saying no to yourself, too. If you feel you must do something, stop. Take a moment and evaluate it. Yesterday, I found myself waking up to my to-do list. I must do work for two clients today. I must go to the grocery store, groom my dog, take a shower, and in that order because I'll have his hair on me. Then vacuum. Then, then, then. It was overwhelming already and I didn't have one foot out of bed yet. I stopped and realized if all this didn't get done today, it wasn't the end of the world. What was essential for this Friday? What did I absolutely have to accomplish? Now, I ended up doing most of the things on my list, but it was freeing to know that if I didn't, life would be fine. My dog can be shaggy for one more day. An Australian nurse, Brony Ware, spent years caring for the terminal. 
she recorded their philosophies and realizations in a blog. And that blog gathered so much attention that she wrote a book called The Top 5 Regrets of Dying. I'll link to it in my show notes. So I'll leave you with this. The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. 5. I wish that I had let myself be happier. 4. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. 3. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. 2. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. 1. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. This is Laura, and you've been listening to the Peaceful Life Podcast. Remember, you are a spectacular human being. Respect yourself, your time, and your own life. May every sunrise bring you promise and every sunset bring you peace. Have a great week.